Welcome everyone to the John Topovit podcast. I am your host, John Meisberg, and today we have Lauren Robbins, who is a sociology and social psychology scholar. Lauren, <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Um, so we're here to talk about lots of interesting concepts around the topic of social psychology. Um, why don't you, why don't we get started by you telling me what do you like to focus on? Um, well, I like to focus on kind of the dysfunctions within our social communities and, um, Maybe I should emphasize that it's kind of like something I got into because of harm reduction. So um, we kind of met through like dance music community, um, conscious crew doing USC events. Um, but through that experience, I learned a lot about uh, the dysfunctions within social communities and wanted to investigate it. What, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say dysfunction? So, uh, like social chaos, whether it be drama or it's um, kind of like peculiar attention-seeking kind of behavior that um, was, it's like people had a place to get away with it. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very... Uh, it was a bit interesting, and I, I wanted to get to know that better. Um, and so that led to you studying um, the topic of narcissism. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of messed up, but yeah, it's... Uh, well, why is it messed up? Well, because basically we just have social communities that are riddled with narcissists, mm -hmm. and they... Uh, control and lead these communities which through experience i learned was a really big problem um and in order to fix that problem we had to figure out how to address it and um as, as a psychology major i got more interested in the social aspect of psychology and uh, that kind of intertwines with sociology which is the study of uh, social structures within uh, human society mm -hmm. and um I feel like they really do intertwine and there is a definition and there is a way to explain what's happening. So can you explain what's happening? <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, first of all, like how would you define narcissism to, I mean, I guess like most people's definition of that word would just be like somebody who likes themselves too much like more than is healthy is, yeah is that, it's more than that isn't it it originally comes from the uh, this greek guy narcissus and that he just died uh by drowning because he kept looking at his own reflection in the water um so that you can pull that up if you want um but the point is, is, is narcissism is a term that is flown around uh, quite a bit. And I do want to distinguish that there is a difference between... This guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He, um, he, uh, he just loved himself a bit too much. It was, it was his own, it was his own demise. But continuing, uh, narcissism in itself is a term that we can use 
on a broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. But there is a difference between narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder. So what's the difference? The difference is, is you can have narcissistic personality characteristics. But if you have over five out of the nine characteristics of NPD, then you have a disorder. Mm, okay. You can pull up um, the DSM uh, definition for personality disorder. Yeah. So having a grandiose sense of importance. Um, so maybe it'd be fun to talk about each one of these. Um, In depth. And like, I feel like when it comes to self-importance, I would imagine a lot of that comes from what was that? There was like a movement in the sixties that made it so like everyone was a winner. Like all their ki- their kids were a winner no matter what. Like you get a trophy or a participation trophy even if you come in last place. Like everyone is a winner, the, the best. Everyone is a winner. Perhaps that contributed to that grandiose sense of self-importance. I mean, I wouldn't say that in particular contributed to that because this has been an ongoing issue for even hundreds of years. Okay. It's kind of more of like humans have an enact of selfishness in our nature mm-hmm. and that has evolved over, you know, time yeah. into what it is now. And I personally do believe that narcissistic personality disorder is a Western culture epidemic of its own mm. kind of like a virus. It's like on a whole nother level here. Oh yes. Okay. So you need to have a grandiose sense of self-importance. To, that's one of the uh, criteria. These, these, this kind of characteristic, though, okay. it's more than just a grandiose sense of self. It's like, in your reality, you are the center of it. Uh-huh. And what you do with your life, everything is about you. Your whole life is about you. Your story is about you. Yeah. And everything revolves around you. Yeah. I think in video game terminology, that's like, you're the main character mm-hmm. and everyone else is an NPC, a non-playable character. Yes. That? <laughs> but you could still be this way and not have NPD. Uh-huh. That's just one characteristic. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when it comes to having a grandiose sense of self-importance is... And you say that this is like an epidemic in Western culture in America is would you say that's because of individualism and that like other countries that ha- have more of like a collectivist kind of way of life they're they're not as likely to think that way. Yes, that yeah. is a part of it. So it is a cultural thing. So Asian cultures, for example, are a lot more community based. Yeah. And they rely on each other. They have a lot more of um, a cohabitive community whereas in american culture uh you are expected to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and be responsible for yourself solely yeah and that ideology kind of transforms into this i'm important i can do anything i think this is the reason why we've had such a huge spike in covid cases and covid related (laughs) deaths is because everybody is like fuck wearing a mask like I don't care about it. I'm not going to get sick. No, I think it's like, why do I care if other people get it? I'm only caring about myself. I think there's a lot of that, like, subconsciously. Well, a narcissist would think that they wouldn't get sick. Uh Uh-huh. They would be like, I'm not going to get sick because I'm amazing. That's what they think. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. I have a, a super powerful immune system, so it doesn't affect me. 
pretty much but like they they'll still wear a mask because it's a societal expectation to if it has their name on it <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a different type of narcissism like there is npd but then there's it branches out into different types okay we can get to that yes um so is there anything else you want to say about number one or do you want to keep going well you know i just want to say that this type of characteristic is a motivation for where they they bring their lives and a lot of them do have this characteristic so if you have npd you will have this characteristic most most of the time you'll usually have number one yes hands okay. down okay like it's number one for a reason <laughs> ah, i see so they're, they're ranked in uh they're ranked somewhat by priority or like by no like likelihood of having they're not but it's but it's coincidentally the I number one. yeah so what about number two so number two is the preoccupied with so it is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success power brilliance beauty or ideal love and this is very true and this kind of goes into the whole center of the story it really plays into the grandiose sense of self um but it's different because it's like where does that story where does the plot go and for them they think that they're bound for success they're entitled to success mm -hmm. they're entitled to this romantic romanticized unrealistic love um it's unrealistic but for them because they're special it's not mm -hmm. so how does one become that way how do you think a person adopts that mental how do they become that way yeah i think why what, do they think that way there's a lot of speculation there's no exact answer as to why someone becomes narcissistic but it is speculated that someone becomes a narcissist because of a lack of support and a lack of um basically a, lo a lack of foundation and love in early childhood mm. and they develop these basically a narcissist a person with npd is like a child they're they're a child it's just something that they they just don't grow up mm. okay so it says fantasies of unlimited success or oh ideal love beauty brilliance power they think that they're brilliant they think that they're powerful they I think, think that they have this ability to have unlimited success you know i mean when i read that i think about how parents have taught their children that like oh you're you're perfect you can do anything you want that you set your mind to blah blah like parents kind of like are like the ultimate hype man for their children and then they set them up and then they push them out to the real world and then they're like, oh man, this is not what my parents told me about myself. And I think that maybe there's like this, I don't know. I, I False just, expectation. I just, I just can't help but feel like, I know, I guess you're saying that NPD is a, there's a, there's a disorder out there, but then there's also parents kind of brainwashing their children into thinking this way. How much of it is the parent brainwashing the child to think that, oh, I deserve I, I am capable of unlimited success or I'm I am a very beautiful person but or, how do you think those parents became that way why do you think that they raised their kids to be that way yes that that they're perhaps their parents are narcissists or they have narcissistic traits right so like maybe it'd be helpful 
before we continue through this list to define like what is the difference between somebody who just has narcissistic traits which i guess everyone has to some capacity and then when does it become a disorder well a disorder meaning dysfunction so when yeah. you are so selfishly narcissistic that you it becomes a dysfunction so it, it it intrudes on your ability to live life to have healthy relationships i see would you say would you say that um this is an example of somebody with <laughs> narcissistic personality disorder if you want to know what the poster child for narcissism is yes so I was actually talking to my mother-in-law about this this morning, preparing for this interview, and I was thinking about it, and to say that um, it's impairing like his ability to have relationships or, or live life successfully, I think would be a false statement, though, because he's the president he's a billion like he's he's well he was given success he comes from rich dynasty yes but it's not like he was given it and then he just floated like it's like it's not like he hasn't done anything i would just say that like he i think that there are some people that maybe they have npd and then they end up i guess when it comes to how we define success quote unquote um they don't accomplish anything like there's you know what I'm saying? Like that's not true. He's, he's that's that's not that's, true. It's not true. People with NPD are very successful because they are driven to be successful. Okay, and they, it, it is kind of like a like a fake it to you make it mentality. Hmm. Like they are successful. They either are given the path to success because they inherit it, like Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, and they're privileged, or they develop it because they think so confidently of themselves and not only that but our society values narcissism our society adores narcissists and it doesn't realize it mm -hmm. and that's why it's so it's so it's so easy to say it's an epidemic because it really is so our in america we idolize people that are narcissistic because they are embodying the things that we we value in an american society right yes yeah. we we it, it's kind of like a we see this person that's so confident in themselves and so confident with who they are and and what their their capabilities are and we want that mm -hmm. we want to be confident confidence is attractive right yeah when you meet somebody that's super confident self-aware seems grounded that type of a person like they may not be a narcissist but the likeliness of them being a narcissist is, is more likely than not. Okay. And we value those things because we want them ourselves. We want to internalize that and we want to associate our value with yeah. those characteristics. I guess it's just, I mean, I, maybe by the end of this, going through this list, I'll think differently. But f so far, calling it a disorder is strange to me when it's it's strange to say this is a disorder, yet in our society it also represents being successful, right? That's kind of, it is. it's hard for me to wrap my head well, around that. Our society's that. not very healthy. It's like being successful by disorderly standards, right? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're socially conditioned to think that there's only two genders. Uh-huh. And scientifically, that's not true. There's a lot of things that we think and believe based off of preconceived ideologies that are not accurate. Yeah. So basically, the way that we judge success in America is a disorderly judgment. And so that's why when we see success and say this is 
a disorder, that's the reason why it makes sense. Like Donald Trump has a cult following and yeah. people see him as an idol worth yeah. idolizing mm-hmm. because he has those characteristics that they themselves are taught to want and strive for. That's really interesting. Interesting. Okay, so uh, what about number three? Believes that he or she or they is special and unique and uh, can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high status people or institutions. Uh huh. I think that goes along with the the first two. Yeah. This one. I mean, they all they all complement one another, yeah. but they aren't the same. Uh-huh. So this one is really um, particular because this is how narcissists people with NPD become so successful and they associate themselves with people of high stature, high ability, high power, mm-hmm. because we have a society that teaches you, like you remember in high school, you hung out with the popular kids, you were cool, you were more valuable than everyone else, right? That does not stop in high school. It continues yeah. on into clicks. There's, there was like, you know, the, 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 the sports click and then like the, the musician click and there's like, People grouping off and people hanging out with... There's a difference between clicking because of an interest you have. Yeah, but the interest could be... um, Popularity. Elitism. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is an interest. It's like, we think we're better than everyone. Let's let's hang out. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And this is is why, like, I actually went through this with my... Because I have a therapist and I'm very... Um, involved with my mental health like everybody at least at one point in their life will endure a mental illness of some sort and I was like am I a narcissist (laughs) am I because I had to explore this and there are other personality disorders so I do have to say that do have narcissistic characteristics but it's not MPD it just seems like MPD Mm -hmm. and they can commonly get misdiagnosed between each other I was listening to someone talking about this yesterday in relation to um, one of, they were saying that something related to narcissism was like being impulsive. And I was like, well, I'm impulsive. That's not really true. But I was like, I have ADHD. I think that's the reason. (laughs) We both have ADHD. (laughs) Yeah. Well, borderline can be pretty impulsive too. And so can bipolar disorder, Mm -hmm. um, histrionic personality disorder. There's a lot of overlapping traits. Yes, there definitely is. Yeah. Um, So number four, it says requires excessive admiration. Okay. Yeah, like, look at me, look at me. Yeah. Um, Number five, has a sense of entitlement. Um, Unreasonable expectations of especially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her they expectations. It's basically thinking you were born deserving of everything. Like, it should just, everything should just be handed to you. You're entitled. Yeah. Um, number six says is interpersonally exploitative, takes advantage of others to achieve his or her. This one, I really want to hone in on this one. So this one can, you can brush past it really quickly, but you shouldn't because this is where NPD becomes a dysfunction, especially because this means that they're interpersonally developing relationships and exploiting those relationships for themselves. Mm -hmm. So this is not, so let's stop a second. So like, couldn't you argue that every relationship that you have with anyone is somehow inherently selfish in the sense that you're it's it's for i mean you're doing it for you're yourself right. right yes 
So then how do you, I don't know, how does this become a, a characteristic of a But are disorder? you only doing it for yourself or do you care about that person? You have empathy and love for that person. That's the difference. I mean, maybe not initially, though, because you don't know them yet. But I mean, like, if you're seeking out a friend, you're initially doing it to fill a void of wanting to have, like, a social connection with another person. There is a degree of selfishness, but the difference is when it's solely selfishness. Uh If there's selfishness accompanied with empathy. Is is it kind of like, I think a good example might be like, you know, those videos online where you... Uh, it'll be like somebody giving money or food to like a homeless person or some amazing gift to a homeless person. And then I've always wondered like, did they do that because they actually wanted to help that person or did they do it for clout and for views and ad revenue on YouTube? Yeah, it's like, are they doing it for themselves so they could show it to you? Then to be like, look what kind of good person I am. Or are they doing it because they genuinely wanted to help that person? And then they were maybe thinking, if I put it online, maybe it'll inspire other people to want to do it too. It's like, but only they know their intention. I think it depends on the frequency. So like if you're somebody that posts about it all the time, like depending on what you do, like if, if your whole job is about, you know, charity and getting other people to be charitable and involved in that, that's different. But we have to look at the circumstance. If this person is, is somebody that is obsessed with material items, getting attention, uh, and they're all of a sudden being charitable and doing nice things and wanting to get that positive attention, like then that, you know, that could be questionable for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not bad to be intention seeking. It's how you do it. How do you get attention? How are you getting this attention? And why are you getting this attention? That is what matters. So what is a way, what is a healthy way to get an attention? What is an unhealthy way to get an attention? Well, you should have interpersonal relationships that are healthy. And you shouldn't make... What does that mean? That means like your parents or or having a parental figure um, or friends, close friends. Um, We have this day and age where people are so obsessed with social um, platforms and and broadcasting everything. Like, I know we're we're broadcasting this, but... This is important educational material. Like you actually are sharing important things. I, I'm trying. I'm hoping I'm. This is somewhat of a service to anyone who's interested in these topics, and it's like acting as like a megaphone for other people. And also, I mean, but yeah, I mean, podcasts in a way are. It's interesting to bring up the concept of a podcast. Like there are things that about this podcast that I do selfishly for me. Like I will just straight up and say that. But it's not my sole reason it's like, accompanied with empathy like i'm getting it's um, like explaining yeah okay good well what i'm saying is if you're doing it solely for yourself you wouldn't have empathy for others mm-hmm. you would you would make this all for you and you are taking the time to interview other people's intelligence and let them have the floor and communicating what they know and you're focusing on that not you and you're sharing that knowledge to help better others and that is because of empathy you display empathy. Now, people that are narcissistic are very manipulative, so they can seem like they're displaying empathy with those characters, but they're not. They're doing it because they want a certain action or reaction or result. Mm. And because of that, they strive to create a facade. And it's really hard to distinguish who isn't narcissistic and who isn't or is and isn't narcissistic. It is a huge anomaly for the psychology world. But 
the thing is, is the one way you can tell if you're a narcissist or not is if you can seriously think in your brain and interpersonally reflect and say, am I a narcissist? If you think that you might be a narcissist, you probably aren't a narcissist. Yeah. So like Trump probably never considers it. No, no, (laughs) there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with him. He's never going to die. He's invincible. Yeah. That's, that's very typical. And then there's different types of narcissists. So some narcissists might say, well, I might be a narcissist, but you, you can tell based on their body language. Like if someone's lying, they'll look to the left, they'll look uneasy, they won't give you eye contact, things like that. Um, but if someone's being genuine, you can tell because they'll look you in the eyes. They'll, they'll actually genuine, <laughs> they'll genuinely try to be like, Hey, this is the reality of the situation. I need mm-hmm. to really investigate this. So she's trying to say, well, don't. I don't know. I think sometimes people um, look away when they're thinking just because maybe they feel awkward looking at somebody in the eyes when they're thinking. Like, I don't know if that's a hard and fast rule that's always true, but maybe it could be like a hint about the eye thing. Yes, eye contact is a super, um, but it could be a weapon because like the thing is, is a, a covert narcissist, they're highly manipulative, extremely manipulative, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to mimic those empathetic behaviors to uh-huh. get somebody to think that they're an empathetic person. Mm. But there's always an element of mystery behind these people. So like, that's how they get you to conform and to listen to them and believe that they're somehow special and that they have this like mysterious love with you okay um but what let's finish with the with what's number seven so um just to say number six that that is exploiting people okay that is literally manipulating people gaslighting them and getting them to do what you want them to do so that you can achieve what you want okay seven lacks empathy that plays into that as well so the lack of empathy is the unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. So you don't think about other people's needs. You don't care about other people's wants because you are only empathetic to yourself. Mm. If somebody had a total lack of empathy, then they would most likely be a sociopath or a psychopath. Yeah. Or like a serial killer. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I was thinking there's got to be a lot of overlap between serial killers and people who have NPD, perhaps. Yes. Like Ted Bundy. Oh, he had NPD? Yes. He actually had... um, Ted Bundy had NPD, and he had... uh, He was a psychopath. And um, I think he might have also had borderline. Um, And this is where, like, a lot of people... Yeah. Yep. And he he posed as a charitable person. Like, he worked for a suicide hotline... Oh, really? Yes, in in Seattle. Interesting. And he would help people. Like, he, he wasn't making himself out to be a bad person. Hmm. Um, okay. And then, let's see, what's number eight? So number eight is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him, her, or them them okay and um do you have anything to say about that one uh i mean it's pretty self-explanatory and the number nine shows arrogant haughty behaviors or attitudes 
So you're saying that if you have five out of nine of these characteristics, then there's a likely chance that you have NPD. You do have NPD. You do have it. Yes. Yes. And most of the time, you don't just have five. You have, like, all of them. All of them? Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, another thing is males typically have NPD over females. Why is that? Um, so there's a, a lot of speculation behind that statistic. I forgot the number exactly because, you know, I'm just a scholar, not like an actual doctor or anything. But um, I, I do have to say that um, men... I think it's because of a hierarchy culture, men uh, being raised that they are the head of the family and are supposed to take care of everyone or, you know, that they're special because um, we have like a really misogynistic society. And then the other part is, um, is uh, how do I explain this? Narcissists don't like to get mental, mental help because they don't think anything's wrong with them. So there's a huge statistic of, of, narcissist not getting psychological help and then there's this huge statistic of of narcissists mostly being men over women um in the realm of of narcissists and i think that narcissism only makes up of like what 2.7 percent of the population um i'm not sure if you can look that statistic up but it's it's not too big but that statistic is also in question because narcissists don't admit that they have narcissists yeah, how would you know we really don't know i i personally think that it's more than that i think that it's like 10 percent of the population at least uh, well according to google it says that um, npd is rare and it represents 0.5 to 1 percent of the general population but out of that number 50 to 75 percent are male or male. Yeah, that's about right. So I got the 2.7 probably mixed up with another personality disorder because I, I study pretty much all of them. Yeah. And I'm 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 still trying to get down on my facts. I'm better with facts with other areas, to be honest. But well, with the statistical facts, I, I understand like the definition and um like what it means, mm -hmm. but the actual numbers. That's something I have to like have a list for and be like, Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not expecting you to memorize all that stuff, but I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, so apparently from my research, I was reading that there's two different types of narcissism. There's covert and grandiose that those are the two basic subtypes. Uh -huh. But, um, if you want to dive into it more, there are others, but okay. they're all, it, it's a, it's like a new, field of social psychology i should say um because it's really only been investigated for like the last maximum 30 years yeah but it sounds like covert and grandiose is just another way to say like some are introverted about it some are extroverted about it yes and, um, and the more dangerous of the two is the covert narcissist the covert narcissist is highly manipulative very disguised and mm -hmm. you usually don't always know mm -hmm. that they are a narcissist yeah, especially I would imagine if you're getting into a relationship with somebody, if you can't identify that they are one, then you've kind of signed up for something without knowing. It's like not obvious, but if someone was like, <gasps> oh, Ooh, sorry, all dog, all good. <laughs> like if somebody was, um, we have a dog in the studio and yeah, it's, uh, she's being crazy today. <laughs> she's very like, I need attention. Like a narcissist. <laughs> you are a narcissist. <laughs> no, no, you're not. Yeah, anyway, I was saying, like, I would imagine if you were to um, get into a relationship with a covert narcissist, then that would be problematic because she's like, 
I mean, even it would be more of a surprise. You would like feel like you were tracked, like you didn't know. Well, the thing is, is an, a narcissist is incapable of loving anyone else but themselves, so they can't be in a real romantic relationship. And I really want to emphasize that they cannot be in a real romantic relationship because they are incapable of genuine real romance. Uh huh. Because it's, it's the thing is, is when they are in a romantic relationship. It's like the person doesn't even know if they are or aren't in a romantic relationship. They don't know when that person's going to be loyal, when they're not going to be loyal. They don't know, you know, when it's night or day because they're constantly being gaslighted, manipulated. Mm-hmm. And it's very toxic. It's extremely toxic. It's abusive. And it's sad. So this sounds like something that you have experience with. I do. I definitely do. And I on multiple levels. So, like, there is narcissistic family dynamics... And then there's narcissistic social dynamics. Yeah. Um, and they kind of intertwine because obviously, like, it's a narcissist. But and, and the family dynamic with a parent, a narcissistic parent, that parent is extremely um, manipulative and abusive. So psychologically, specifically. And everything's the child's fault. Everything is... Um, if you don't listen to this person and what their reality is, then you get punished in some type of a way. Mm. And that constant abuse does harm significantly. So did the abuse that you experienced from narcissists that this must have um, contributed to your interest in studying it? As I'm a obsessed whole? with personality disorders, specifically yeah. narcissistic personality disorder, because I, I mean, if you want to get personal, personal, like I have a step parent who was, who is a narcissist and has made my life very difficult. And the way that this narcissist manipulated my life and controlled the dynamic of the family, um, I'm a truth teller. So in the narcissistic family dynamic, I am somebody that is. I I was uh, attacked for being honest because I was basically reflecting on the reality of their abuse and that was seen as a harm to them. So they do whatever they can to manipulate and change the situation so that I don't have that ability anymore. I'm constantly in question. Mm -hmm. So like if you're a truth teller or actually let's go even deeper with this. They don't, they don't like you reflecting the truth when they're trying to portray an image that they've built up in their mind that is different. Well, they manipulated everyone else to believe who they are and, and, uh-huh. and that they're this empathetic, amazing person and that they don't do anything wrong. But that's not the truth at all. And and then isn't that, I think I was reading, that's like fly, flying monkeys or something like so that? So the flying monkeys is when they get other people to believe that they're special by association and they get them to manipulate and, and basically do their dirty work. I was I was trying to think of an example of this and I was thinking about that movie Mean Girls where it's like you have like the one really mean girl and then she's got a clique of friends around her and it's like whatever that leader like says is true or what she wants it's like the the rest of them kind of just like do her bidding and it's like it's kind of like flying monkeys sort of so the the actual term flying monkeys comes from the wizard of oz yeah uh the evil witch uh that sends out the flying monkeys to do all the dirty work Mm -hmm. and um that is basically where that term literally comes from interesting 
I'm learning a lot about narcissism that I did not know. <laughs> like flying monkeys. Yeah, flying monkeys is a literal term in the psychology world that they use to define what this sub-relationship is within the narcissistic abuse cycle. So narcissists usually will be leaders of social communities of some sort or families, and they will manipulate the social dynamic so that um, people conform to their belief. Mm -hmm. So kind of like cults almost. Yes. It's very, very common. Uh, Cults are common. Uh, people don't seem to understand that cults in, in the psychology world, we all understand that cults are very common. Uh huh. Cults are, are, there's only three defining characteristics for cults. And if you want to get into that, you can look up the defining characteristics for what a cult is. Um, let's see. (laughs) I found, I found, uh, this, it says cult or a pineapple. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? I don't uh, know, but I love pineapples. That, that is. I don't know what this is. Hold on. <laughs> Hold, please. <laughs> I mean, it says. Uh, I don't know. We have to. Here we go. Here's the definition. And this is where, like, it's open for interpretation because a religion is not just, like, a god, you know? It's more of, like, a belief system based around a certain idea of a person. Mm -hmm. And cults are objective. They are. But in order to actually classify as a cult, there needs to be this one irrefutable person that everybody looks up to. Like, this person can do no wrong. This yeah. person is... They're infallible. Pretty much. Yeah. And they don't acknowledge it. They refuse to acknowledge that reality. Oh, so kind of like Trump. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? That is very... Yes, Donald Trump I don't. Is... I literally think that there's nothing he could do that would make, like, some Republicans that I know, like, just throw, <laughs> throw them away. I don't think there's anything that he could do. No, because they're literally brainwashed. They, they, and it's not their fault. Like, we just have a society that breeds that brainwash. You like, know? if Trump started committing a genocide in all the blue states they would tomorrow, it. they would be like, well, they had it coming. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they would. They, they would. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and the other thing is, like, if it's a narcissist of other sorts, like, they, they don't have to be Republican, you know? They, they can be Democrats. They can be Christians. They can be mm-hmm. sadists, definitely sadists, you know? Like, there are different types of cults. There's different types of communities. And, and, the, and the point is, though, is that these social communities believe that they're special by association to this one person, this power and authority. It's interesting that you say that. Um, I was over at Green Lake uh, yesterday and I saw this sign. You saw that? It said, you're in a cult 2020. Democrats and Republicans are the real terrorists. And I was thinking about that. And it's like, yeah, in a way, um, like, I personally think that the Democratic platform aligns more to the way that I think. But at the same time, 
I do think that these political parties do kind of feel culty and the people that follow them, it does feel like a cult. But you are you're that. forced to choose between two parties. That in itself is is a mistake. Yeah. Why should you have to choose between a Democratic or Republican party when yeah. there's different ideologies and political uh, sociologies. I always thought that, you know, we have the technology. Why can't we just vote on issues like one at a time? You know, instead of voting for a person that represents all kinds of stuff, why can't we just vote for one issue at a time yeah, why with, can't our, we? with our smartphone connected to a social security? Everyone does a vote on one issue. We might get hacked, though. We're going to, we could get hacked. <laughs> we could get hacked anyway. We did last election. I, I guess, but I'm just saying, like, if we're. I think that that's where we should be moving towards. It's like, okay, we all want to, here's an issue, issue X. Let's all talk about this and decide what we want to do as a country, right? Just talk about that one issue. And the whole year we could be doing stuff like that. Instead of every four years, we vote for one guy who may or may not represent a ton of stuff where like maybe you align with 30% of it, you know? I don't know. No, you're right. You are right. You have a good point. But we have a narcissistic society that makes people like think about it, how religion and state has in, has in, infiltrated our political system. Uh-huh. So politics is fundamentally based off of religion, which is cultism. Yeah. Religions are a type of cult mm-hmm. and they refuse to acknowledge that they're a cult. So because of that. We have a society that unknowingly is dependent on cult culture. Okay. Tell me about, um, there's these other terms that I came across, somatic and cerebral. Are you familiar with these terms? Yes. Yeah. Can you tell me about, so we went over overt and covert, which is basically like extroverted and introverted narcissism. It's like a spectrum. Yeah. But what is cerebral? How would you explain cerebral and somatic? Um, so this is like the cerebral narcissist is like their intelligence is extraordinary. Hold on. I got a puppy situation. Sit. Sit. <laughs> Down. Down. Good girl. She's in training. She's doing pretty good. <laughs> She's doing pretty good. She only bumped the table once. <laughs> Um, hasn't, hasn't taken the cameras out yet. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. So, um, so they, it, it's like the, the snooty nerd that, um, only cares about themselves and they have like a superior intelligence. Like nobody knows more than me. And when somebody does know more than them, they're very like vastly offended. This is a cerebral narcissist. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. It says, what I the definition I saw online is that they it says they use their awesome intellect or knowledge to secure admiration, whereas somatic narcissists are focused more on their body. They're they admire themselves in the mirror and they're all about the physical. They're more likely to be health freaks and hypochondriacs. <laughs> yes, that's, is that accurate? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so these are way, these are like ways to break down. Oh, narcissism into subcategories of narcissism. It's a broader understanding of uh-huh. how it can be implied or implemented into personalities. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, something that I was interested in after hearing a lot of this is, um, I think a lot of people out there that are listening might be like, oh, well, I identify with some of these traits, so I'm like, am I a narcissist? And so... And they'll probably be offended a little bit. Yeah, but 
like you were saying earlier, if you are able to even self-reflect, you probably aren't to the point where it's a disorder. But maybe you do have areas of opportunity to work on. I'm not going to say it's black and white, but I'm definitely going to say that more times than not, if you can even reflect on that, then yes, you yeah. most likely don't. So I came across this test online called the NPI and Narcissistic Personality Inventory. It's a free mm-hmm. test. So if you're interested <laughs> in figuring out how much of a narcissist you are, go. it's a 10-minute test. Go to openpsychometrics.org forward slash test forward slash NPI. But you have to answer it honestly if you don't yeah if you're a narcissist you probably won't answer it honestly at all you probably Uh won't even consider going to the page yeah so (laughs) it only takes five to ten minutes it's pretty pretty quickly uh i have a good test actually you have one do you think no just just one question okay do you think you're gonna die so wait narcissists don't think they're gonna die i mean they do and they don't so it's like they know they're going to die because everyone dies, mm-hmm. but they themselves feel like there's maybe some type of, ex, you know, expect they don't live in reality. They, so wait a minute. What about like Christians who think that God is sending Jesus back before in their lifetime to save them from death? I feel like that's a narcissistic thing. Like, oh, you're so special that you you're not going to have to die because Jesus is coming back in your lifetime for you. Well, even before then, but like I, heaven is narcissistic. Yeah, but I don't I, I don't actually blame the people who believe that. I believe the religion that they follow because they've been brainwashed to think that. You know, it's yes. like it's not like they. I don't I don't hold the person at fault, but it's a I, social conditioning and control. Like mm-hmm. it's how we control groups of people. I grew up in a Christian family around Christian people and I would always hear stuff like that about how like around Y2K. Remember Y2K? Oh my god, I was just talking about that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, my mom, she bought like a Y2K closet filled of like salami and peanut butter. And it's like we're still eating that <laughs> shit. We're still eating it. But you know, it came. It was from a place of love. She was worried, and all, and to be fair, like all the clocks were like everyone was worried about the clocks and what's gonna happen. They're not built for, they're not ready for it to switch to the year two thousand. And I mean, I I get it. I get the fear of the unknown. But who know, who? But how do you jump from that to Jesus is coming back? I don't know. A lot of pastors were 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 up on the podium saying that though, so they they had them. They had them in the palm of their hands, be- really believing it. I mean, they believe a book that was written thousands of years ago by men. Yeah. So, I don't want to get too much into bashing or anything, but I just will say that when you talk about um, when you talk about thinking, "Oh, I'm not going to have to die," that's the first thought I I that's the first thought that comes across for me that I've experienced is Christians saying, "Well, I'm." Yeah, I mean, Jesus is coming back to, to, you know, do all the things he said he's going to do in Revelation, and it's happening very soon. So we're living in the Revelations. That's what they say. We're living in the in the end times. And it's like, oh, how convenient that you were born at that time. <laughs> I don't know. It Honestly, though, like, think about it. Heaven itself. Heaven is a form of narcissistic belief because you believe that you're not really going to die in the end. Mm-hmm. Death is end. It, you're, no, you're not here anymore. It's darkness. Uh-huh. Well, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think that death actually represents the unknown. 
It's, it's you're right. A, it's an unknown. Like well, we I'm don't agnostic, know. so I get that. Yeah, I, I believe that there's something that created this, but I'm not going. Agnosticism is acknowledging that you don't know. Yeah. So I think I think death represents the unknown, but heaven represents thinking, like built, creating this, creating this idea that somehow you're always going to exist forever, when you don't really know. Yeah, you don't. But anyway, um, um, so wait, how do we get on that topic? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to narcissism. Oh, we were talking about the test, the test. So I was going to say, I, I took this test. And so just so you guys know, if you're going to take the, if you're going to take the test, it says, um, a score of 12 to 15 is average. Um, celebrities usually score 18 and above. And then it said um, narcissists score over 20. So my score was actually, um, let's see, it says 9. Yeah, I can sit. sit. Let's see. I can pull up my one note right here. It says... These are the results on your narcissistic personality inventory. Your score is 9 out of 40. Higher scores indicate greater levels of narcissism. And then it shows like how other people have scored on the test. And then it says your score is higher than 35% of the sample. And then it shows, um, tr- I guess, traits where your minimum and maximum are. But I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to to take a test and self-reflect on the questions and... I, I recommend taking it. It was kind of fun to do. I think I might actually take that. I, I've heard of narcissistic tests, but I've just been so busy learning about the actual disorder itself that I yeah. have never considered actually taking that test. But I do know that if you the the death question is is quite an easy test to take. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, it doesn't mean you have NPD. It just means that you might have some type of like narcissistic complex, and that that could just be like a characteristic that you you can you're capable of changing. If you have NPD, you you pretty much can't change. There's no solution. There's no way. There's no therapy that can help you. No. Why? Because they don't believe that they need help. Oh, so you have to want to be helped in order to change and so if you can't you have to get... think that there isn't even a way to get help like yeah. you have to think that there's an issue with you in the first place yeah so we were talking earlier about like how does somebody end up this way and i think one of the things that i mentioned was perhaps it's parenting perhaps there's... nature versus nurture it's a huge topic within it yes well one of the most uh popular subreddits for narcissism on reddit is uh raised by narcissists i don't know if you've ever been on here but it's basically a big group of people ranting about their parents <laughs> it's very popular look it's got 642,000 people here and tw- t- 2300 are on right now parental narcissism is pretty much the biggest part of the entire topic uh-huh because parents are the reason why people become narcissists and they're the reason why people suffer from narcissists yeah your parents are the biggest relationship most people will have and or not have and possibly the most influential yes right so i mean it's hard to ignore that that element right it really is and it and it's like i remember growing up in a narcissistic family dynamic so like my dad is a classic histrionic personality disorder and 
they have narcissistic characters, but they're, they're not narcissists. My stepmom is super narcissistic and she um, basically turned my siblings into flying monkeys. So, Oh, she like turned your uh, siblings against you? Yes. Oh. It was constantly competition. Mm. And that is a way that they control and, and hurt people is they turn social groups into competitive hierarchies. And so why do you think they do that? Because they think that they're God. I know, but what's the... Just for shits and giggles? Like, why are they doing it? It makes them feel empowered about oh, themselves. They like the way it feels. Yeah, I it see. makes them feel... It, it feeds their importance. I it see. validates their importance. This is, like, why some kids want to become, like, what is it called? A uh, safety patrol in, in kindergarten. With the orange <laughs> belt. They're just like, I, mean, I like not, the way it feels to tell kids what to do. I, I wanted to be a safety patrol kid. Narcissist. I... <laughs> No, um, no. I, I just like, I can be very controlling because uh -huh. I'm somebody that I'm a perfectionist. I'm a bit OCD. I see. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like positions of power have never interested me really. Not really. I think about like, oh, like being a manager at, you know, at a job, being a manager, being a leader, being, you know, running a company, things like that, or like having a position of being a police officer. I don't know. Like those types of roles. I've just feel, I've never felt in, very interested in them. And I, I do think that maybe perhaps narcissists have a higher probability of gravitating towards those roles. Well, they, they do. Um, they yeah. have a higher presence and, and more controlling authoritative positions. Like in Seattle for like SPD, Seattle police department, like what do you think? What percentage of police maybe represent uh, a, a narcissistic uh, personality disorder. Well, it's hard to say, I guess. But. My time at CHOP was interesting because I do a lot of social research on my own terms. And I wish I could be like backed by a, a university and go do literal studies, but they, they wouldn't really investigate the things that I'm interested in. So um, like I, I usually work festivals or I work some type of community event and I, I do a lot of investigating and um i i've been able to recognize the hierarchy of narcissism within social communities because of it and that's what i've been so obsessed with is figuring out why are these people so obsessed with importance how do they obtain importance and what do they do with it and um you know it wasn't intentional to necessarily go to um the uh protest but i just didn't have any festivals to go to this summer and it was a really important cause um so i just had the time and availability to go and do that and when i was there i definitely did see that the narcissistic hierarchy um there's a lot of people there that were not there for the right reasons and i was there to help people and perform harm reduction which is what i do every summer at events um but there was a lot of people there that were there for themselves, mm -hmm. there to advance and become something important. Mm -hmm. And that is a symbolism of narcissism. Like holding up a megaphone, right? At the same time you have your friend taking photos of you just so it can, you can like make it look like you're like a influential <laughs> leader of CHOP. And then it's like once you get your photo, you just walk out or something like that. It's pretty much that. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like it wasn't only just that, but it was... It was the, literally narcissism was the reason why Chop failed. Chaz, Chop, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. And I... I, or I one reason. 
It, no, it is. It's it's the reason. I would say it's the reason. Yes. Uh, why do you say that? Because they could not uh, establish a healthy leadership. Mm-hmm. They were constantly fighting over who was the leader. Yeah. But it wasn't that also the appeal of Chop was decentralized leadership. We need leadership. Uh-huh. It was not so going to work. decentralization of leadership is not like It needed to be multiple yet. leaders. Uh-huh. Like, But the thing is, is there was too many groups of people fighting over that leadership. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't have the tools or the knowledge to know how to organize that leadership. Okay. And I was, tr- I was trying to advocate for sociology and social psychology and... I was just kind of like labeled a white woman that was just kind of overstepping their boundaries. And I, I wasn't trying to, but it's difficult when you see people making mistakes and you don't want something to fail. Mm-hmm. Like when a child is on a bike and you're treat, treating, training them to uh, ride a bike and you don't want them to fall and hurt themselves. But it's kind of condescending in a way because it's like, who are you to come over here and treat us like we don't know what we're doing? And it's like, no, I'm I'm literally a sociology, social psychology major. Social structures are my thing. Yeah. I'm trying to teach you about how to do this successfully so you don't fail. And that was perceived as like an overbudding, condescending, co- condescending nature. And um, it it might have been received better if you were black yes just saying saying. it would have but there was a lot of you know you could tell the intentions of some of the people involved were not pure like they weren't there for the right reasons Mm -hmm. and because of that disruptive corruption that is why it failed on top of the fact that the police department wasn't supporting the protesters i mean that's the whole point of the protest but at the same time they need police support and after Juneteenth, the night where all the shooting happened, the, the, the first shooting happened, um, Lorenzo, unfortunately, was shot and killed. He had a chance of living, though, and he shouldn't have died. And he died because of the selfishness and the narcissism and the pride of NPD and its intent on on proving a point. Yeah. So... Really, we're getting now. We're getting into how narcissism shows up in social communities. In social communities, which is something that I feel like uh, that you really wanted to get at. You know, it shows up in social communities such as protests. It shows up in uh, political parties. It shows up in cults. It shows up in social communities of any sort. Dance events, like festivals. All, yes, but so I mean, like. When I say all of those terms, like, are there any in particular that come to mind that you, like, really want to, like, talk about? So my my experience with the social community, uh, the, the hierarchy of narcissism within social communities is heavily based around music events. Mm-hmm. Um, and those those music events, I've come to learn the hierarchy of them because I've been involved in, wor- in volunteering and working them. Um and a lot of my, you know, obsession over the last four years has been trying to understand how these social communities um, create these systems mm-hmm. and what they mean and how they result in the lives of others. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really sad, the results that I have found. Did you find yourself unable to advance in those hierarchies or what was the, dr- was that part of it or no? <laughs> well, as a truth teller... 
I, I am somebody that's not successful in narcissistic social systems. I can be up to an extent mm-hmm. um, as a makeup artist and as somebody that, you know, makes really elaborate, amazing costumes. Um, I can make myself seem very attractive. And to a narcissist or people involved in a narcissistic social dynamic, that is something that they want to be associated with. Um, I mean, I come from four generations of Seattleites. Uh, event producers and um, platform hairstylists, there is like a knowledge of superficial nature to my my family culture. And I um, have a good understanding of what these people are striving for superficially. Um, And with that, I was able to I guess it's it's kind of like social climbing, honestly, like, but I'm not doing it to advance for myself. I'm doing it because I'm investigative. Mm-hmm. So social climbing is more like, so like to understand like how the system works and to see how how integrated you can get so you can kind of expose it or at least understand it for yourself. Yes. Okay. Pretty much. So you're like undercover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit of a Nancy Drew. Now your cover is blown. <laughs> uh, I guess my cover is blown, but it's you know it's COVID. The I'm pretty much done. I'm I'm. Hi. <laughs> so, um, so tell me about these hierarchies. Like, what did what did you learn when working? Um, at, so you mentioned Shambhala. You worked at a music festival, Shambhala, up in Salmo, Canada. So I I've only worked the festival as a volunteer for two summers in a row. Okay. And the first uh, year, I was a harm reduction agent. Um, it was really awesome. I, I feel very blessed to be a part of this. Um, but I definitely did understand and become aware that there is a narcissistic social hierarchy. Um, the whole festival of, uh, culture of especially dance music is very superficial and they pride themselves on this fictitious ideology that it's not when it totally is. Um, so it's very like, <laughs> There, there is a cult culture to it, and um, I could say that working Shambhala at the harm reduction tent, I was, I saw a lot of people coming in with drugs that needed them tested because it was my job to test drugs and make sure that those drugs were safe for consumption. Um, because if they weren't safe for consumption then someone could die. Yeah. And that's, that's harm reduction. A, that's important. Um, but the, the other part of it is that the, the, the reason why people go to those festivals is because they want to be associated with some type of importance. Mm-hmm. And that importance is what kind of f- funds and, and keeps the f- culture of festivals going. Um, you go to the festival, you have a good time, you have the best drugs, you know, you're really cool and popular, you get to listen to all this music and be a part of this amazing, you know. You're saying a lot of people are at music festivals for self-serving reasons. Like, yes. I've noticed, like, some girls show up just because they want to take pictures of themselves in an outfit for the gram. And then I see, <laughs> like, some people show up and they're like, or like, you could even say this about musicians like djs like a lot of them are in it for themselves too like everyone is i mean i feel like everyone is doing but then i I just kind of feel like then you get into this concept like isn't everyone in it for themselves no matter what they're doing it's like 
I wouldn't say everybody. I've met some really amazing people, so I don't want to say like it's all bad because it's not. There is a potential of it to be I just full mean, of integrity. I just mean like, isn't there a certain level of that and it's just a a spectrum some people are more about that than others but like isn't it like a driving force of ego that gets us to do almost everything i don't know it is a huge fundamental in western culture and western culture is what dance festivals are based off of Mm -hmm. um and it's like shambhala is trying to address this issue because of the narcissistic social dynamic there is I mean, that's what, that's why there's such an issue with rape. Think about it. What do you mean? Well, there, there has been multiple rapes at the festival and they've had to, because of the Me Too movement and because of the pandemic and all of this drama that's been going on, the festival has had to acknowledge that there has been sexual assaults. Mm -hmm. And you're saying that narcissism is, I mean, rape is driven by narcissism because of someone's entitlement to another person's body. What type of body. person would rape someone? Someone who feels entitled to someone else's body. Somebody right? that lacks empathy. And and feels entitled, right? It's most likely someone with a personality disorder. Uh-huh. So, I, can, I can see that. Um, you, you have psychopaths that go and murder people, but you have psychopaths that go on and sexually assault people. Devil's advocate. Couldn't you also, though, potentially blame a substance like maybe someone took a substance that made them act in a way that they would normally never act i don't know i mean that's the whole point of harm reduction in the drug world though is as you're supposed to be responsible with the substances that you're taking and when you do take that substance you need to make sure that you're in a safe environment around safe people that can be accountable for you and yourself and others you know yeah. like the whole there needs to be a system yeah and, and this is part of the danger of drugs at least in western culture where they're so heavily demonized and made illegal is the lack of education around them which could potentially lead to somebody taking something either the what do they say the the dose is the poison right like perhaps they don't know how much of something to take or they don't know what they or maybe it's the first time they're taking something and they don't know how it's going to affect them and then by then it's too late and maybe i mean i would never excuse rape but i would just wonder potentially if there's something beyond narcissism that contributes to rape if 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 drugs are involved i would say i would say sorry the dog um i would say though that narcissism is not you know the driver of rape but it's it's a contributor Mm -hmm. to rape yeah potentially yeah but it's it is drugs as well because think about it like cocaine has a huge relationship with the development of npd oh what do you mean if you do a lot of cocaine you probably have a high risk of developing narcissistic characters or developing npd Mm. and they've done studies on this where um the people who are addicted to cocaine do become narcissistic personalities you mean like this guy I feel like that's the perfect example, right? I mean, yes. Tony Montana. Scarface. Yeah, that's the perfect example. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you you become powerful, you feel entitled, you feel like, uh-huh. you know, the whole world revolves around you, uh-huh. and it's just one of those things where, like... But see, isn't that temporary NPD, right? It's like No, it's, it's br- permanent. I thought it's not bringing it out of you while you're on the drug, and then when the drug wears off, then it's gone. Kind of like mean, some people become assholes when they drink, and then when the alcohol is worn out of their system, they're not that way anymore, is what I mean. 
Well, like you can, you can definitely do cocaine and have narcissistic characteristics. And then, um, you can, you can be addicted to cocaine and then develop NPD. Like there is a variation and a spectrum to that. Or maybe it brings out what's always been there. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's like those characteristics are there and some people are more covert and then it's like the drugs bring it out. So it's more overt. Yes. Drugs do induce mental illness for sure. Like mm-hmm. you can develop schizophrenia from doing too much acid. Yeah. So from your perspective, from all your research as a scholar, how would you say that we can change the integrity of these events? How do we how do we do something about it so that that, that narcissism isn't causing so many problems? Well, we need to stop like promoters and and event producers who are narcissistic, who are celebrated and not held accountable for their bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Those individuals need to be held accountable for. So, I mean, it starts with the organizers of the event then. Yes. Yeah. Like, why are you organizing this festival? Why is this festival so important to you? And is this event even beneficial for everybody or are you just making money off of it because that's what event production is it's just basically a gamble you're gambling a bunch of money and you you put on you put all this work into developing an event and yes it's it's stressful but it's like you get a payoff of money social status and creating this amazing good time and like if you don't create an event that has fundamental characteristics of integrity it will be represented through the event itself and usually events are very selfish they're they're social displays of superiority people show up in their finest clothes like think about a ball back in the you know 16 1700s you go to a royal ball what happens it's kind of like ooh look at him look at her yeah it's a it's a it's, I mean I wasn't there narcissistic social know. hierarchies <laughs> <laughs> the narcissistic social hierarchies are very um they're very reminiscent and and um identical to royal hierarchies mm-hmm. and that whole like lordship noble like i'm important i have money i have social status mm-hmm. it makes me think about electric daisy carnival how they'll they have vip sections that celebrities get to hang out in and it's kind of like, oh, look, there's uh, Paris Hilton. She's up on a platform. Or it's like kind of like marketing. That. Yeah. Like you don't want you want to go to that event because humans asso- like associate their self value with what they're near next to or at. Mm-hmm. So like that. this is why it's narcissistic, because one of the parts of NPD, one of the characteristics is being associated with people and being friends with people of power and authority and stature. Because they believe that they're, they're associated with powerful and and popular people and figures that they themselves are important just like them. And that same mentality is played, implemented into our events, into our society, and our, into our culture. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. But I don't know. I guess it just, from my perspective, it just feels like this problem is so endemic. It's like... So integrated into Western culture, it seems it just feels like impossible to overcome. It just <laughs> it just feels like I mean that you, is the big you, question. How do we how, how do, do we resolve this? It's a cultural thing. 
Right. It is a cultural thing, but it's like it's an abusive thing. Like these yeah. people get powerful positions because they are confident in themselves mm-hmm. and they're narcissistic. And we celebrate that characteristic and narcissism. So if we if someone's like all about themselves and they feel like they can't do anything wrong, like we value that. Yeah. And then they associate themselves with powerful people and they become like celebrities or um, well-known individuals and they're popular. People want that because we're taught that that's valuable and we want to associate with those superficial values. Yeah. So I think in order to fix this, you have to change the culture so that people can't rise to the top based on celebrityism that praises a person who has those characteristics. Like, I think you first have to address the root cause, which is the culture that rewards it and celebrates it, right? Yes. So how do you change the culture? <laughs> like, how do you do that through spreading enough awareness to where everybody um, looks upon it n- negatively and and we create a different culture? Or like, It's awareness. So we have to talk about this. Like this, like right now. Right now, exactly. <laughs> Oh, look at the camera is messed up because of the dog. I'm sorry, honey. It's okay. It's all right. It's funny. Hey, I'm over here. (laughs) Is it this one? No, it's that one. It's fine. We're almost done. Well, I would say that this is a, 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 a this is a conversation that needs to continue to happen. Like, this is not something that I can just like cover within one hour to two hours. Wait, we didn't fix narcissism in America. No, we didn't. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> I thought we were having more of an impact right now. So, I I would say though that the importance is is making sure that understanding what MPD is and really analyzing the people around you to see if they have those characteristics, because if they do, you need to be aware of it. Like narcissism and people with NPD is pretty much a, it's equivalent to what we would define the devil as. Like if someone has MPD, they basically are the devil. Hmm. They, they don't care about you. They don't love you. They care about themselves and the love that you have for them. They love the fact that you love them. Mm -hmm. And they will act on that mentality and it will not benefit you and it will hurt others. And that empathy, you caring about others needs to be more important than your social status, your social structure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, I think I think you have to address the culture with adults so that they don't spread these harmful characteristics to their children who then grow up ingrained with it too and then it's harder for them to change. It's like I think you got to get a, get change the culture for the children. I so think we need to stop being hypo- hypocritical with um our individualism because we teach people to be individuals but we hypocritically turn around and and teach them that we they have to be individuals within a certain parameter. Mhm. And that confinement, that lack of freedom of, of, of development and knowledge is what allows narcissism to grow and develop. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a really interpersonal and, and, and intellectual topic. It, it kind of bleeds into philosophy, like what's morally, ethically okay and how to address this type of an issue. How do we even begin talking about it is one way but like even after that what comes next i think that what's important is living for yourself but making sure that you're not hurting others in the process and that you're not manipulating people to get what you want and need actually be good people and mean it because your actions and behavior do reflect 
the type of person you are. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lauren, I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, Is there anything else that you'd really want to talk about before we, before we end? I would have to say though, um, I mean, there's a lot of things I would like to talk about, but I think for today, I would like to leave with narcissists are, you know, I'm just a social person. I'm just somebody that cares about my community and I care about honesty and truth. And if we really want to fight narcissism and we want to hold these type of people accountable for their behavior, we need to make sure that we're being honest people and that we are making our own opinions and that we aren't allowing others to dictate how we feel and think about things and that we take the time to investigate and to really hone in on what is real. And um, the, the way that narcissism has the effect of controlling others is when they start thinking for you. And if you can't think for yourself, then that is why narcissism has a control in your life. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be able to think for yourself and determine things for yourself. Because if you don't, that is how other people weasel their way in and manipulate you and use you for what is beneficial for them. That's a, that's another thing that needs to be taught in school is critical thinking. Yes, immensely. And it's like, I was really demonized by my community because I'm different and I'm a truth teller and I, I am an individual. I am somebody that doesn't mind pointing up or standing up and saying, this is wrong. And those people are demonized. They are, the, they are blamed for being the problem because they're pointing out the problem. We're so used to this toxic, abusive cycle of of society that when someone stands up and says, hey, this isn't okay, don't do this, they act as a diogenes. That person is demonized. What's a diogenes? Diogenes is a philosopher. You can look him up if you want. And he is, he he was the guy that would, he would mock things and he would stand up and be like, this is, this is. A, a hypocrisy in his own way like he would have his own way of standing against those things like he would sit in front of uh, a target and um uh what's it called an archer would mm-hmm. try to shoot an arrow mm-hmm. and hit the target but he'd keep missing and then when he's asked why he's sitting in front of the target uh he would say well it's the safest place in the world because the archer kept missing the target. <laughs> but he, he stood up. He was a homeless guy, but he chose to be homeless. He chose to not have material items. He chose to go against the grain of society because he saw the unnecessariness of it. So I pride myself on being a Diogenes, and I pride myself on being a bit of a Hayoga, on somebody that is a reflection and a mirror of how other people behave. I exaggerate those behaviors to show them what they're creating or who they really are. And that is a threat to people, especially narcissists. Yeah. They don't want to know. They don't want to know who they really are because Mm -hmm. they have this fake fictitious ideology that's implemented in their brain and they have everyone else believing it. And if somebody comes around saying, "Mm, that's not true, that's not the reality. What's the point of exposing narcissists if there's no hope for helping them? Well, there's no hope in helping them, but the people that they hurt. You could save the people that they're manipulating. Yes. I see. They, They cause a lot of pain. 
and suffering to others. And that is what needs redemption because they are the reason why people are suffering. Like Donald Trump is the reason why people are suffering right now. I don't think he's helping. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to solve it right now, but I think this is definitely helping. Hopefully maybe somebody will watch this and understand that narcissism is a social virus of its own and we need to stop celebrating it. People need to stop creating reasons to be celebrated like your charitable work post about it but you don't need to post about it every time you know you don't do charitable things to or, get attention or perhaps just like look inside your heart and analyze why am i doing what i'm yeah, doing why are you doing this are you doing this because you care about the person yeah. or because you want something yeah. and that is a differentiate d- differentiation of mm-hmm. what is is integrity and what's narcissism but <laughs> That's pretty much all I have to say about it. But, you know, um, I would like to talk a, a bit more maybe in the future another time about other things like um, maybe the relationship between a narcissist and a Hayoka. Um, well, let's hear it. Do you want to talk about it? Well, I, <laughs> oh, sure. I got all the time in the world, but like, you know, I, I don't want to bore anybody or um, I'm, I just want to be considerate of others. I, yeah. I am. I'm really socially awkward, too. <laughs> I think you've done a great job, but I appreciate you taking the time to educate us all on, um, you know, how social communities are kind of screwed up right now in Western culture and go for a walk, like just enjoy your life and don't post about it on social media. Social media in itself is kind of a breeding tool for narcissism. Yeah. Look at me, look at me culture. I feel I like, like Instagram is the worst. Instagram <laughs> out of everything. It's like, it's all, it just feels so vain. Like yeah. at least on Twitter and Facebook, there's like the sharing of information and ideas. And I think that there, that can be a beautiful thing, but I've just rarely found anything of value on Instagram. Well, Facebook, Facebook can be just as bad as Instagram. Well, you can share images on there too. I'm just saying like, I find more value in people's ideas when they're not trying to like pat themselves on the back but it's more about like it's when people use these social media tools to strictly get attention for themselves or to better their lives and only themselves Mm -hmm. and it's like you have to look past what they're actually doing you have to look at the foundation of it so instagram facebook twitter whatever you want to call it if these people have large followings get a lot of likes and they're constantly posting about things that is only about them and them getting attention like at least it, it it can be confusing because like you know you have a podcast and you're t- and it says John John top of it you know, but this isn't just about you John this is about you trying to use yourself as a conduit for other people. Mm-hmm. There's empathy there. Yeah, if you're constantly posting about you and your life and how great it is and constantly boasting and trying to get likes on it like that is narcissistic. Yeah, and that is something that is not very humble. It's not very full of integrity, and that is encouraging of narcissistic culture. And it's like, maybe keep things to yourself and share things that are about your ideas and your thoughts and creations. Don't just talk about how great your life is or or try to do things to fish for likes. And it's like, I've been there. Everyone's been there. Everybody wants that validation because we're in a society that makes you believe that your self-value is based off of other people liking you. And you're worth more than what other people think. 
you're worth you're worth it just to be here and be yourself and develop who you want to be individually and i think that that needs to be celebrated and valued and when we keep valuing people based off of what their parameters are within a social construct that is breeding of narcissism as well but that's pretty much <laughs> i mean i could go on forever really john i could <laughs> well um yeah i think that this is a very uh large topic there's like a lot of different avenues and places you can go and deviate from from the overarching theme but um i definitely think that social media has absolutely become like you said earlier like a breeding ground for for narcissism and and i don't i don't know i, I think it's it's almost as if the tools themselves encourage it and it's very um i don't know it, all, it almost seems impossible not to use them in an unhealthy manner at some point <laughs> like i i think that they encourage it i think that um it's kind of like, think about how we're dating these days too like you just a picture yeah and swiping yeah tinder is not is definitely contributing to bumble that as well. i mean okay cupid i've been mm. on all of them like i don't know how else to date now because that's all I, that's the only way or i, I go yeah. to a festival or an event yeah. and it's like look at me look at me everywhere yeah granted i love costumes and looking amazing but when you make yourself have a sense of entitlement over it and you associate your self-worth and value into it that is what where it gets convoluted with narcissism too it's just like, I really, narcissism is a huge virus and we really need to fight against it in any way we can. And I'm open to ideas. I really would love to know if you want to message me and be like, hey, I saw this podcast and uh, this interview with you and I have some ideas about what narcissism is and how it could uh, be resolved in our society. I would love to know because I am trying to figure it out myself. And that's why I go to events mostly. Well, it's to stop sexual assault. Um, which is a part of the narcissism issue and um, to stop narcissistic social hierarchies because a community isn't strictly about one person. It's about everybody. And that's what a true leader needs to understand. It's not about you. It's about everyone. What's, what's beneficial. What's, what's egotilitarian. I'm, yeah. a, I'm an egotilitarianist. So perhaps just moving more towards a collectivist culture will help, help change this um in america i think yeah and i think that stop like stop publicizing our lives so much like let's broadcast knowledge share intelligence and pride ourselves on being able to talk about things and resolve issues instead of individually celebrating just ourselves how do you think america could become a more collectivist so it's it's the government and the the people we install as leaders that then deliver like um, policies and legislation that have a direct impact on you know what maybe what kind of government programs we experience that contribute to a collectivist culture like medicare for all i think is like an example that I mean, comes to mind or it goes broader than that though like not only just medicare for all but actually respecting the fact that the brain is capable of being ill because we still do not respect psychology. Yeah, but what does that have to do with being individualist or a collectivist? Well, let's put it this way. 
Um, over 50% of the people that are homeless in Seattle are homeless with brain injuries. And that is a psychological issue. Mm-hmm. And they're disabled. And we expect homeless people, we look at them and we treat them like they're doing that to themselves. And mm-hmm. that's not true. We are failing them as a community. Yeah. We're not taking care of them. We're not helping them. So you're saying that just seeing... I think a part of that would be practicing empathy, like putting yourself in their shoes. And like, how would you feel if you had a mental disorder and you were homeless? You'd want other people to look out for you. I mean, your right to make as much money as you want doesn't supersede someone's right to actually living life. And that that needs to be really lived. We can just sit here and talk about doing nice things or we can actually do them. And that's what I'm about. Uh, I mean, like, I had a job interview today. Like, I'm I'm trying to work on the homeless issue. There's projects opening up. There's more funding becoming available. There are changes com- that are coming about. And I'm, I really want to be a part of them. And I think everyone else should, too. We should have a society that is making it a priority to help people and not just broadcast about it on social media or Instagram. Like, we really need to make sure that these people are taken care of because they are suffering and we're allowing it while some people make a living wage or more than they need. Like if you drive a Porsche and you own a Porsche, I think you're a fucking asshole. I straight up, th- I do. I think you're a dick. Sorry, Porsche owners out there. <laughs> I, I, if you can afford a Porsche or a nice over $100,000 car, you're a dick. Uh-huh. Because what? here's why. Because you have enough money to selfishly, because I worked hard. No, you didn't. There are people that work hard just trying to live every day and they can't get a job because they're disabled and society marginalizes them and subjects them to really terrible scrutiny. Is what you're getting at is there's more of a luck component than a work hard component. It's like sometimes you just get dealt a good deck of cards, a good hand. Sometimes you get dealt a bad hand. And then if you're living above your means, some people they're like they're born on third base and then they act like they they they're so amazing. They're all they had to do was run home, but they act like they did all this work to do to get into the situation they're in. Kind of like Kylie Jenner, like being this self-made billionaire. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're not. Yeah. You had it. Pa- you had your path paid for you, and you were able to build off of that. I also I think about um what's her name Taylor Swift. It's kind of like that too. Like oh, she God. was born into a family where like they were like record producers, and I they, didn't know that. Yeah, and her her family is big in the music industry, and they basically just bred her from a young age to be who she is today. Like, and so like, yes, she's talented. Yes, she writes her own music. Yes, she can sing very well. But like, she also had opportunities that like most people don't get to have. And so it's it's like kind of like it's Billie be- Eilish too. It's like being born on third base. That's a a lot of hard- successful people are successful because of who they know. Mm-hmm. And because of their ability to either social climb or they're born into some sort of type of like social privilege. And I, I, I do recognize that. Um, this is the quote. I'm sorry. I'm butchering it. It's, <laughs> it's, some, pe- some people are born on third base and they go through life thinking they hit a triple. Like they, they. That's very relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, you're right. You're totally right. And it's um, that is celebration of narcissism in in a lot of ways, because we celebrate these people because we give we keep giving them excuses for why they have that amount of money. 
Like you have all this money, you inherited all this wealth and you earned it. They make excuses like they've earned it and they didn't earn it. The slaves did. (laughs) Think about it. This is why Black Lives Matter is such a big thing right now, because we are all uncovering that slavery is the foundation of our country. And those people have not been paid what they are owed. Yeah, They have been tortured and, and they're continuously suffering. And we still have landlords. We still have people who own people's majority of, of their income and they're suffering just to make ends meet. I mean, I, I am a disabled person. So like... I have suffered and I get that. I'm not a person of color, so I can't say I, I understand racism, but I'm intersexual. I am someone born on a spectrum of both genders. I um, am female, but I have male hormones. And on top of that, I am disabled. I broke my back twice, dislocated my knee twice. I have suffered immensely and my community, my society did not come to help me. I had to figure it out on my own and I had to find resources on my own. And those resources do the bare minimum. They really do. They don't do enough. And I'm lucky just to have what I have. But I'm thinking everyone should have what I have and more just to survive. And that is what that's what keeps me up at night. Like, I really have issues with the fact that I get to be okay living in a house without a job. And I have my rent paid for because I qualify for a program. Mm -hmm. You know, like I am capable of getting those benefits when other people are out there homeless dying and starving and it's like that one fucking guy that zooms down the road every day with a goddamn porsche because <laughs> you worked hard because you worked hard yeah <laughs> no well um like you said earlier this definitely um sounds like another podcast for another time <laughs> <laughs> yes because it's a, well, just because i feel like there's a lot to talk about here i i talk a lot yeah I'm no very... but it's good it's good I chatty just... kathy I just, I think I'm just trying to compartmentalize these podcast episodes into like a theme, and I think like we've really hit on like a good, a good amount of information for like this one theme. But like, I'd love to have you back on, and we could go down this. This, John, I would love to come talk to you all the time. All right, <laughs> it was a pleasure being here, and I'm I'm so grateful that we actually. I know we had to reschedule a few different times, um, because I did just move, and yeah, it's it's no no worries, um glad it worked out maybe i can come back and like start talking about social uh like socialism and how that's implemented into resources for our community that would be interesting yeah because i'm like a walking 211 by the way if anyone needs help please call 211 211's a really great resource for anyone who needs food housing uh even if you need to get away from like a domestic abusive relationship anything of those lines 211. I did not even know. Th- I, I knew 411. Yeah, 411's for like cell phone help, right? <laughs> but 211 is specifically for um, people who need financial uh, stability resources. Um, and then if anybody actually needs help with housing, yeah, there you go. Um, and if anyone needs help with housing or getting like food bank assistance or qualifying for DSHS assistance, I am um, an advocate for marginalized communities. Um, so anyone that's been sexually assaulted, anyone who is disabled, anyone that's endearing homelessness and that sees this and would like to get any um, help, I am a resource advocate. All right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, uh, Lauren, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking the time. (laughs) All right.
Bye guys. I switched. Okay, I switched this camera, but we're kind of messed up now. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.